Please do turn with me this morning to Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 18 and 19 will be our text this morning. We thought last week of God's plan for families, for marriages, and here we have in chapter 4 of Proverbs, family language. We have a father speaking to his children. And these are very tender words. I'd just like to read verse 18 and 19, and then we'll look briefly at the structure of the whole chapter before coming back to these verses. Proverbs chapter 4, the words of Solomon, verse 18 and 19. This speaks, and this is our title, of the Christian pathway. Verse 18, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And then the contrast, the stark contrast. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Well, I'm sure this is a verse that we often give to people. We read it. This is one of those memory verses that we commit to mind and heart. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Solomon, in all his wisdom, taught not just by his father, but by his mother. Look down at verse 1. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father. That's his word speaking to us children metaphorically and attend to no understanding. What I'm going to tell you, says Solomon, it's good. It's good teaching. In fact, it's excellent. There is nothing better. Don't leave, don't forsake the law, the commandments, the wisdom, the teaching that I'm going to give you. Well, why is that? Verse 3. I, Solomon, was my father's son, David, King David, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother, Bathsheba. His mother and father had taught him as a child from the time he was a little boy. Solomon was taught. And there we have our pattern for the family. We are to teach our children. What do we teach them? We teach them the things that are excellent and good. How do we know that they're good? Because we experience them. Because we know that they're good. Because we've found them to be true in our lives as parents. The parents said, don't do that. We did it. We found the consequences. The parents said, do that. Read God's word. Follow my words. And we didn't do it. We found it to our cost. And so we have here a pattern for living, for life, 
but we also have a model for how we are to instruct children and how we're to teach them and to show them. In this chapter, Solomon really has three different lessons. Verses 1 to 9, he tells us to pursue and get hold of wisdom. Verse 5 is the key verse. Get wisdom. Go and get hold of it. Cling on to it. Get understanding. Well, that's very wise words. What's wisdom? It's God's word. It's God's teaching. It's everything that he's said. Everything that he's said so clearly, unmistakably. He said it of old through the prophets. He said it through Christ. He said it through the apostles. Again and again, the word of God repeats itself because we're slow to understand and we have to come back and we have to learn the same lessons again and again. Get wisdom. That's the first. Verses 1 to 9. Verses 10 to 19. Again, he's speaking as though we're children. Hear, O my son. This will be the second lesson. Avoid the path of the wicked. The key verse is verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid, avoid. Don't go anywhere near. We do the opposite, don't we? We go as near to the bonfire as we can. We let the smoke get into our clothes. We get too near the flames. Verse 14 says, don't go anywhere near. Stay away. Don't go as close as you can. Go as far as you can from everything which is the path of the wicked. Then he's got a third section. We try always to look at the context before we look at a verse. And the third section is in verse 20. Again, he commences with the words, My son. It's tender. This is the language of a parent that loves their children. They don't want them to come to harm. They want them to have everything which is good. Attend to my words. Allow your ear to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say to you, says King Solomon. Down to verse 27. The section here, get wisdom, avoid the wicked path, Then verse 27, stick to that path. Once you're on that path, you've become a Christian, you've listened to God's word, you've repented of your sin, you have your eyes on Christ. Don't deviate. Don't go to the left or to the right. Verse 27 says, don't let your feet leave the path. And go after something in bypath meadow or in vanity fair. Don't deviate. 
Stick to the straight path. Well, it's a very plain chapter. You can read it for yourself. It's so clear. Proverbs can be a difficult book. The latter chapters particularly don't seem to have a theme, but chapter 4, that's the three themes. Get wisdom. Stick to the path. And don't go after evil. Tender words from spiritual parents, whether that be your actual parents or your parents in the Lord, teaching you these ways. Well, we're going to come first to look at our text in verse 18 and 19. I want to try and expound it and explain it. And then we're going to turn back to Abraham and his life and just pick out a few incidents to illustrate what it says here in verses 18 and 19, and then some broad applications. That will be our method this morning. Look at verse 18. But, but, there is a way that we can live that has no thought for God. There is a way that we can live which is following the broad path, the broad path that leads to destruction. Solomon says, but, but, he's just been speaking about the other path. And his message is going to be in verse 18. This is a message for young, for old, anybody that doesn't know Christ as your personal saviour. This is a message for you but it's also a message for all of us. He says, but there are two paths, not three, not 53, two. When you look at the whole of life, all of the population of the world that has ever lived, they've only walked on two paths. They are either on the path of the just that leads to God or they're on the path and the way of the wicked that leads away from God further and further away. Two paths going in opposite directions. You can't be in between. You can't have a bit of both. You're either on one or the other. And here's the problem. I don't know which way all of you are on. I don't know which path. Some of you, I have very high hopes. Some of you, I've got confidence. I see the evidence. Some of you, I don't know. And as a pastor, that grieves me. As a pastor, that troubles me. How should I help you? Because I just don't know. I don't know whether you're in verse 18 or verse 19 and that troubles me because I have to treat, I have to assume that you're still in verse 19 and you're not yet in verse 18. And until I see the evidence, until I have the fruit and the confidence I have to keep preaching the gospel to you. 
And I have to see you as a Proverbs 4.19 person, and not a Proverbs 4.18 person. Two paths, one away from God and one to him. Let's look at these two paths. Let's try and examine what they mean. You see, we are born into sin. That's what the Bible clearly says. You think of that little boy, that little girl, maybe under the age of two. The mother, the father says, don't touch. And the little boy or girl looks knowingly at the parent and the finger moves, puts the finger on that thing, looks to the parent and says, you will not tell me what to do. I will step over the line. The parent didn't teach the child to do that. Where did it come from? We call it original sin. We're born into sin, shapen in iniquity, and the natural way of men and women and children is we're on verse 19. We're on the way of the wicked. We're into darkness. And that way will get darker and darker and darker. But there is another path. The path of the just. I must explain what that means. Usually the word just is translated 194 times. In the word of God it's translated as righteous. You might have a version the King James Version says just, that's fine. It means justified, declared righteous. This is something only God can do. I can't do that. A priest can't say, I absolve you of your sin. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, as the great high priest, can say to a boy or girl, your sin will no longer be borne by you. The punishment has been borne by me as your Lord and Saviour. And he will only do that if you've left the path of the wicked and you desire to walk on the path of the just. And so it's called the path of the just because you are no longer walking on the other path. It's that simple. I'm either on the path of the wicked, or I'm on the path of the just. Declared just. I'm not just, I'm not righteous, I'm not holy, but Christ says, I declare you stamped, justified. That sinner, he should die in his sin. He should bear the punishment, but I will take it. I have taken it. I've been punished instead of you. A perfect path is described in verse 18. The words and language here are of the sun rising. Sometimes in some countries the sun seems to come up very quickly, when you're near the equator, my experience is it goes from darkness to light very quickly. It just comes up 
You wake up six o'clock in the morning if you're near the equator. The sun is just there. That might be the experience of some of you when you came to light and understanding in Christ. But for others, the further you are away from the equator, you think up there in Norway in the winter, it seems to take three or four hours and then you don't get much light. So the picture here is of a dawn, a sunrise. The sun is going to come up. You might misunderstand this verse. Let's read it again. The path of those who are Christians who've been declared righteous is as the dawning of the sun that shines more and more and more and more until the sun is at its absolute peak. The noon of the day, it can't get any brighter or hotter because it's right there. This is describing the life of the Christian. Do you know almost everything else in life goes like this, up and then down. You think of our health, you think of our mind with dementia. We start as a child, sadly sometimes we end up eating like a child, speaking like a child, but the picture of the Christian is that we gain more and more and more understanding, more light, more grace, more nearness to Christ, and it's a life that gets brighter and brighter and brighter, or it should do. Is that your experience this morning? You see, the Christian life, when we're converted, that's just the beginning. We've not arrived. We don't suddenly know everything. We're not suddenly a holy person in our conduct. We don't suddenly have the right things to say, and we don't live lives that are conspicuous in their kindness and grace and mercy. No, we're like the dawn of the sun. The sunlight just comes up, it gets a bit brighter and a bit brighter. Well, let's think about this path. This path leads to God. I love that line in Vernon Hyam's hymn. It goes like this. Our God is the end of the journey. What's the end of your journey? The way of the wicked is as darkness. The way of every Christian's life is a path that leads nearer and nearer and nearer to God. And at the end of that journey, I see him as he is. And I won't understand fully, even in heaven, how holy and pure God is, but there will be an even more unfolding light and understanding through all eternity. And you know this path, once I'm on it, I have a deeper relationship with God. I have a path of purpose. I know what I should be doing, and I will do it, and I will want to do it. 
This pathway is straight. It's not crooked. It's a well-trodden pathway. Many people have been that way before. And it's a safe path. A path where there are few surprises. Because as we read in God's word, we know what's going to happen. And this path is a safe path. It's a secure path. And the light gets brighter and brighter and brighter. What about the other path? That path leads away from God. It's a life of alienation from God. It's a life that's more and more ungodly as our habits become addictions and we get further from God and further from his light and conscience gets dumbed down. That's the wicked path. It's unsafe. Just look at verse 12, 16, and 19. Verse 12, it says, Thou shalt not stumble. Verse 16 says, For they sleep not, except they've done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they have caused some to fall, to stumble. It's the same word. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness they know not at which they stumble. You get out of bed at night. You're so sleepy. You've deliberately shut the blinds and there you are stumbling around. That's what it is to be on the path of the wicked. The way of the wicked, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to make me fall over next. It's aimless, it's dangerous, it's insecure. Why would you be on that pathway? Children, why would you live a life that carries on in darkness where God promises to shine ever-increasing light upon your pathway? so that you know where you're going. You see the dangers ahead of you, and you can avoid them. You see the slough of despond. You see the pitfalls. You see that pit with clay inside the bottom of it that you won't get out of. Wouldn't you avoid those things? You know what they are in your life? Well, that's the two paths. But there is here a progression and a perseverance. The path of the just is as the shining light. You see, the person on this path has new tastes, new desires, new aspirations. They don't want to go back. No, they want more light. What does light mean in Bible terms? It means purity, holiness. And the person on that path in verse 18 wants more purity and holiness. Light also means, in Bible terms, knowledge. The bringing of God's word shines light. But it also means a third thing, blessing. Wouldn't you have God's light, God's warmth, God shining 
an understanding and a blessing into your pathway that is growing and growing more and more. New tastes, a new mind, being fed by God's truth. And when trials or difficulties come along, I have a new perspective. I'm no longer going to fall over each time. No, next time the trial comes, I'll look to my God. I'll look to the light. I'll have greater progress, greater perseverance, until it is that perfect day has dawned of unfolding light, where the purity and the knowledge and the blessing of God have grown so great. What did Christ say? Be ye perfect, even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. What did he mean by that? He meant that as a Christian, we should be striving to deal with our besetting sins. We should be striving to have greater love for Christ, greater understanding and memory for his word. That's what we should be doing. And this pathway speaks of all these things. The Christian pathway. It's a pathway of progress. How are we doing? Are we in the same place that we were a year ago? Have we gone backwards? Or worse still, have we left the pathway? Have we backslidden? Have we gone into some grievous sin that once we thought we'd got hold of with the Lord's help? We've now left the path of righteousness. And we've got stuck. We're being led by people that we shouldn't be led by. Maybe within the family. We're not leading as the way we ought to lead. Remember, it was the mother and the father of Solomon that led them. We both have responsibilities. Yes, the husband, the father, predominantly. But the mother and the father taught Solomon the right way, the just path. Let's just look briefly at Abraham's life to illustrate this concept of a pathway. Abraham 75 years old, married to Sarah, Genesis 12, and he gets a call from God. It's a personal call. And ahead of him is these two paths. Which one's he going to walk on? Abraham was already a very wealthy man. There in Ur of the Chaldees, he had many, many riches. But the call from God came. It was personal. You can read of it in Genesis 12. What will he do? Will he obey and listen? And will he leave behind him that which could have been a snare? Abraham heard the call. And Hebrews 11.8 tells us he went out not knowing where he went. Here he is on a pathway. He doesn't quite know what's ahead of him. But by faith, he believes that the one who has called him 
is to be trusted. And that he can trust the one who has called him to guide him, to lead him, to show him that right way. By faith he went out, not knowing where he went, because he believed in a city whose maker, whose foundations, whose builder is God. That's conversion. He was on one pathway. There was idols, there was riches there in terror, and he called, he was called to leave. And his father and his family and Lot, they go with him. This is the journey of faith. Oh, there'll be ups and downs on this journey. He'll need greater assurance. The promises that he's given, family blessings, through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He'll need to be reminded. And each time you can flow it through, the promise comes in a bit more detail. A little bit more assurance, a little bit more comfort that his God won't leave him and that the blessing will be greater and greater. In fact, it will be so great. The sand of the sea, the dust of the earth, you can't measure and so you can't count the family of Abraham. He's given these constant reminders and encouragements. Isn't that our experience? If you go looking for them, you will find encouragements. And God will draw near to you. Maybe you've not been looking. You've not drawn near to God. So you haven't had those special verses that speak to you when you have difficulties. Think of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, age 99. No child. And suddenly we see a lack of faith. We see a great falling. A great temptation comes into their mind. Oh, we have a plan. We're going to seize it. We're going to force the issue. I can do it. I can tell God how to keep the promise. I don't need to trust him as to how. Or even to when? No, I can do something which goes beyond my remit. God had given the promise, and he would be faithful, and he would say in his time and his way, and of course, Hagar, the maidservant of Sarai, becomes the man-made solution. It was actually... Sarah's idea, but Abraham went along with it. Abraham didn't say, no, we are children of faith. We will live by faith, not by sight. And so the plan is hatched. And of course, it was a terrible plan. Ishmael is born. And Ishmael leads to great sadness for Hagar. She goes into the wilderness. She has to be brought back. But then the Lord intervenes. Just a year later, age 100. They needn't have doubted. They needn't have been forcing God to do it their way. 
They could have waited. They could have trusted. This is the Christian pathway. It's a pathway of faith. It's a pathway of trusting in the promises of God. It's ever-brightening light, shining more and more. And then there comes the next test. Isaac, probably a fully grown man, maybe at the same age as Christ was when he went to Calvary. Isaac, take the wood. Isaac, you will be the sacrifice. Go and lie on the altar. Isaac, and Isaac's faith is tested as well. But where? Where is the sacrifice? God will himself, himself, provide the sacrifice. And there in the thicket, there's a ram. Just as the knife was being lifted, what a test of faith. We're never going to be tested like that. To take our only son, the son of promise, the son that they'd waited for, for all those years since age 75 to age 100. And yet this time they're both faithful. Abraham and Isaac. Will you be faithful? That's the question. In the time of temptation, will you succumb? Will you give in to doubts? Will you get hold of it your way? Or will you wait on the Lord? His way, his time, his method. Well, we've thought of these two verses, the two paths. We've thought of the need for progress and for perseverance. We've thought of the perfect day the end of life, when the light has shone brighter and brighter and brighter. Do you know, elderly folks today, if you trust the Lord, your final days should be your brightest days. The days of experience, the days of time, an opportunity to draw near. The days where you can impart such help to us younger folks. The perfect day. Make sure your final days are your best days. We've got dear friends here. You are such a help, such an encouragement, because you're drawing near to the perfect day. The day where you will have more light, more understanding, more purity, more blessing, more usefulness, more help to impart than you've ever had accumulated through your life. Use it. Come and encourage us. Pray for us. Give us wisdom. Give us experience that you've stored up. Well, let's just apply these things. Five summary applications. What an enormous contrast there is between the two paths. Which path are you on? The path of the just or the way of the wicked? 
There's no in-between. Make sure you're on the path of the just and today. Secondly, this path. What a supremely blessed life and path this is to be on with ever-shining light and warmth and nearness to God and his blessing. Thirdly, the path of the just It's not always a smooth and easy path. There will be ups and downs. In fact, there will be testings. And it's through those trials that you will be given ever greater assurance. And you will be able to testify that you're holding on to Christ and that he's your rock. It's not you, it's him. He's your hold. He's your light. Fourthly, you will prove on this path that he is wonderfully faithful, that he will take you further along, nearer to himself, with greater progress, greater sanctification, greater comfort, greater encouragement, greater usefulness. And then finally, There is a perfect day. It's not when the sun goes down. The perfect day is when the sun has fully dawned and it's at its peak. And that's the day that you will be called into the presence of the King Almighty, the King of Light, and into the presence of his Son, the one who is the light of all the world, and to the presence of the Holy Spirit that enables that light to shine ever more brightly into our hearts. Oh, this is the path of the just, the Christian pathway. Are you on it? Do you know it? Are you making progress? Is that coming day dawning ever brighter in your life?